Welcome back to a new episode of the BJ Robbins Project. I'm glad that you guys are joining us on a Monday morning. I have a nice special guest with me. Nice. That's a nice way. It's nice. I do so many of those. Sometimes I struggle with intro. Uh, Mr. Dan King is here with me. And um, we'll have some fun things to talk about today because I want to talk about youth sports, being a parent and with kids in sports, and then trying to find a balance of being supportive for the kids and, and make sure you have enough time for that one. So that's one thing. We talked about it the other night for a little bit. So uh, please welcome Mr. Dan. Dan, it's good to be here. Yeah, I'm very excited. Looking forward to it. Yeah. Uh, we have both have freshmen, right? Correct. Um, and then also you also coached my oldest and my youngest together in what, youth basketball? Yeah, I think they would have been, uh, well, your oldest would have been fifth grade and youngest would have been fourth at the time. That's when Luke was a little chubby. <laughs> yeah. He hates those photos. Like we have them on the fridge and, and like you'll have a picture of what I looked like and what he looked like and he just gets angry beyond belief because he's in, uh, now he's a uh, six pack fanatic. <laughs> um, he does not like his old pictures. Did your kids go through that a little bit? Like they look at their older pictures like, I can't believe I looked like that. Well, you know, and Peyton's had glasses forever. And so he's, you know, He's always that little kid with buzzed haircut and glasses, and he's he's always just like, I look so silly, you know. The Chris Mullen. Yeah, you know, he's just, and especially all his sports photos, he's got these huge, you know, goggles on and and stuff, so he's always just like rolling his eyes, you know. It's just like, like hey, man, you still look like that, so <laughs> you're going to have to deal with it. I know, I showed him, uh, we compared fifth grade photos, or maybe he was younger. I had a bowl cut, like a real big, a lot of hair. And I was like, least, and I told my my oldest, and I was like, least you didn't have that hair. And so it it's weirdest because having a six year old, and Colin turns fifteen March second. So yeah. sixteen to fifteen year old, because your youngest is how old? He's ten. Ten. So about five years difference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It ends up being about four and a half because <sighs> the youngest was in May. Uh, the eighteen month difference was is brutal um the me and my brother graduated a year apart but we were two and a half years older third grade he had some issues so they held him back so we were we were we went through school at the same time and i see the same similarities of like of you see now luke's or colin's playing sports with football and then luke's doing his thing over there and then like you see similar friends together then you see some of them that don't like each other it's it's weird so five years i think would what's going to happen to your youngest is like oh you're so-and-so's brother right well and i went through that did you my uh my oldest brother was five years older than me and my sister was in between us she was two years older than me where did you grow up at uh shelbyville shelbyville so but and both of my brother and sister brilliant people so teachers loved them you know (laughs) and you know i brother is one of those just quick-witted math guys you know he's a math teacher um now and uh my sister uh, is probably the smartest one of all of us and just the hardest worker for sure um you know she she was salutatorian of class and and all that kind of stuff so by the time i came around it was are you and so are you so and so's brother Oof. You know, and so, so yeah, I went through a lot of that, uh, you know, and of course you go through the general resentment and stuff like that. And, but at the same time, you know, it definitely 
let me know where the bar was. See, I everybody loved Craig. Craig Craig's like the nicest guy. He's a lot like Pops, where everybody knows him and and everybody like, oh, Craig's a fun guy. He's a great guy. And then they got to me, and he's like, mm. and it's kind of smug a little bit because I did. I I always don't. I don't like being compared to people. I, I no one does. But um, did you play sports in high school growing up? No, see, that, and that's the funny thing is, uh, especially when you look at, you know, how involved I've been and all all that kind of stuff in youth sports is, uh, my athletic career capped out about twelve years old. <laughs> uh, you know, I was, I was terrible at baseball. Did you know that you were no good, or did someone tell you? Well, I didn't make teams. Uh, you know, basketball got cut. You know, that kind of stuff. Uh, you know, baseball. Nobody had to tell me that. I, I knew I was. I, I was like, I, I cannot hit a lick. But did you guys have a boys' club, Shelbyville? Oh yeah. Because uh, how old are you? Uh, forty three now. I'm 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 going to turn forty, so we're about three years apart. So we kind of went to school mm-hmm. right around the same time. Because I grew up at the boys' club, and then at the yeah. park, and uh, that's where I grew up at. And um, so I wonder because I, I couldn't remember because we used to travel and play other basketball against other Shelbyville or yeah. against other boys and girls' club. Some of them were great, and some near East Chicago, not so great. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I My brother was actually boy of the year at the uh, Shelbyville uh, Boys Club. <laughs> I mean, he, you know, tro- the, tr- the plaque, trophy, whatever you want to call it, is still on the wall of my mom's house. You know, I mean, he got the scholarship. He got the, the whole deal from them. I still uh, hold the most points for Seymour's Boys Club in a basketball game. <laughs> 63. Jeez. Not a lot of passing. I guess not. There was only five. It was five on five because most kids didn't show up. So yeah. we were playing 12-minute quarters. So I was just. Oh, my goodness. 63. So that I, I think I still hold the record for the. It, that's for league play, which is not saying a whole lot at the boys club. But I knew they said uh, his name is Jeff Dure. He's like, well, I think the record is this. And I was like, all right. So I went for six, 63. Well, and you know what's crazy is. You know, I you know, mentioned my brother was boy of the year. Well, part of the reason he was boy of the year was he coached all my teams. Ah, you know, he coached tons of teams there, which is crazy to think about now because he was he was only five years older than me. I mean, you can think about like having a twelve year old kid coach a se- coach seven year old team. Oof. Now, no, I, it, no way that happens. Plus, just just him coaching a boys club team is almost enough for a medal. Oh, I know because I went there. And like parents, that was that was daycare before daycare. Yeah, like they get off the bus. They literally got off the bus there. Yeah, and they wouldn't leave till close. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, when so when we moved back from Lexington, Kentucky, uh, when Peyton was second grade, I mean, that's what he would do. He would go bo- go to the boys' club, you know, and and be there. Um, which of course, you know, and most most kids do. I mean, they love it. They're just like, oh yeah, I can get a ball, go in the gym, shoot. This will be great, you know. So. But yeah, I mean, it's like you think about that now of like, there is no way a 12 year old could coach no. anywhere, anything. Well, and I don't think there's enough time for, I mean, because I graduated in 98, AAU kind of, I played AAU most of my career, but it just had started at that point. It's not like yeah. it is now where, um, I'm thinking about calling now for football is they, you know, they, they were during the summer, they would go in the morning and then they would have, if you played another sport, you have something else. I, I feel like it's overkill in some aspects of it. Cause oh, I it. think it, cause a, in between 
uh, we had weight training for football and then we had open gym for that and then we would have aau practice so you're looking at in the summertime and i'm not saying that people like well if you want to be dedicated that's what you need to do and i was but i got to the point where i was like i was just burnt out well and the thing you find now so much is that you know you mentioned aau practice that's a that's a figment anymore yep i mean you don't get practice time i mean and you know that's one of the things we ran into here uh when peyton was coming up and playing basketball and stuff was everybody's fighting for gym time everybody's you know nobody can get get a court to practice on and so you end up well we're just going to sign up for this other league and we're going to play in this league and it's like okay but you're going to practice what do you how many plays are you going to be able to run have you have you watched aau oh it's awful there, my and i told you this me and colin got into it the other day not into it we were, we, were, we had a disagreement on philosophies of how the game should be played yeah um just for example last night the guy that won the slam dunk championship he was a high school player of the year mm-hmm. and guess where he went after that undrafted all other side. i'm not saying it's not good but player of the year probably played on some of the top teams but if you don't learn how to play Mm-hmm. like when you get to a certain level is they don't have time for you. Right. You know, you go to college and everybody's almost as just as good as you. If you play in certain conferences mm-hmm. and then if you get out to, you know, you build a lot of like you build a lot of hype on, um, what's called mixtapes and then other, other Instagram and things like that. But you'll take the best plays out of it, but you don't, I, I was watching this whole game. It, it has some of the number one and number five ranked players juniors and seniors and yeah they were dunking on people hitting threes and throwing alley-oops but they had like 17 turnovers oh yeah because they didn't care they're like yeah and I was, if i was a coach and i've coached with my my stepdad pops like i coached basketball with him and i would just jerk someone out of the game be like what are you doing like go sit down and this is how and then but i i but aau coaches are afraid to do that because they're afraid that star player can go anywhere else and play well, and and I think the other thing you run into with all of that is there's always another game. So this game doesn't really matter that much. Mm-hmm. And so, you you know, you, it's okay. Well, I mean, just in the, you know, baseball's our reference point now is, you know, we just got done playing 10 tournaments last spring. So, you know, you, you get knocked out of one tournament and you're like, okay, well, where are we going next weekend? You know, and and it just develops that mentality of uh, that sense of urgency doesn't exist as much anymore. Yeah, it'll be me because even when you get to uh, how do I say? Even when you get to the pros, very few people make it to the pros. But eighty-two games, Mm -hmm. like um, some people go from high school football to college, may never lose a game. So a couple years ago, uh, went took my oldest to a, a Pacers game. Or, you know, and uh, it was just a regular December game. And it was one of those games where you could tell just neither team was into it. Uh-huh. And you see it all the time, and, it, and it, it just comes around, and you're like, okay, as soon as somebody decides they want to be here, that team will win. Yeah, and I watched it. We went and watched um, with Kevin Durant still play for Oklahoma City in um – Russell Westbrook. Then he had Perkins played, if you know what I'm talking about. Mm. He just walked up and down the court and bitched the whole time. 
and I couldn't get past that. I know that's bad. You're at an NBA game watching Durant, and it's my at that time it's Colin's favorite player. I just couldn't get past the point he was just walking and complaining the whole time. And he just, I, I don't know. Maybe it's just, hey, get off my lawn. I'm turning into the old man, I guess. I don't know. But I'm like, just, and people always, and this is what I want to ask you about. Athletes are not role models. They're role models in one aspect, how they practice, how they play. We don't know anything else about them. And we have, and Barkley said that we have to get past that point. You know, if you go, you know, when you hear stories of Kobe Bryant, he was always the last one to leave the floor in practice. Like his work ethic was ridiculous, but we didn't know a whole lot about him outside, outside of what he did because we don't, we're not around him. But they can be role models how they play and how they practice and how they conduct themselves. Yes, but I think sometimes we put too much stock in who they are. Well, entirely, and I mean, and I think that's. And that, and that's not necessarily a, it's not unique to athletes. You know, I think that's true, especially in our society now with actors, anything. But social media serves um, more than anything. Yeah. And, and I think it's a matter of, you know, you look at, like you said, you don't know people and, you know, you sit there and you, you see, see, in some respect, you see them performing at their best. That's what they do best. We're all people. We all make mistakes. We all fall short. And a lot of times, you don't really see that. And and especially, you know, kids, they don't read articles. They don't, uh, you know, see the press conferences where, you know, sometimes that's where – character can even show itself even more yep. uh, where they make mistakes you know uh, you know that's what's funny sometimes you know you watch a watch a NASCAR race and they get those guys right out of the car after after an accident and they're just you know as upset as can be and that's where you're like you know it's great television but man you, I'm sure I'm sure those guys walk away from that sometimes and see what they said and they're like, I can't believe I said that. Could you imagine getting interviewing us on our worst day at work? Oh, as man. you're walking to your car, how do you think work went today? <laughs> <laughs> but and, and and that's part of it. I I think we put too much stock in. I even think some of the athletes, especially in basketball, um, basketball. Um, not too much in football because, you know, they're hidden behind a helmet, but like high school players, basketball, I think they're almost more social media stars. Their social media is, is almost bigger than how they play. So, and Jalen green was his name that I argued with him about Jalen green's the number one top prospect, six, five, one eighty. He hasn't signed with a school yet, but he was mocking players, taunting players, blah, blah, blah during the game. And it was during AAU. And it it just I think it really bothered me. So, because um, I know you're, because I know your son plays baseball. Um, how did you take the Astros in that story? They just held their press conference and it made them look worse than it really right. did. Well, I think it's 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 tough because it's a situation where, especially with baseball, I look at it and I'm like. I think from the logist from a logistic side of it, when I start talking about buzzers and th- and I'm, I, 
I watch people try and hit hit a baseball, and I, I'm just fascinated that it, that it happens. You know, just with the all the physics that goes into it, and how you know, it's like I tell tell Peyton all the time. You know, the difference between a fly ball and a home run is less than an eighth of an inch on the bat. Yep. And so, the idea that somebody would be watching the catcher be able to pick it up quick enough to relay it to whoever is doing doing whatever they're doing to signal to the hitter and the hitter can process that along with just be, being ready to to hit the baseball I'm just I'm I'm fascinated by by that aspect of were they really able to do that to the point where it helped yeah and that, and it's because major league put those review cameras in there so they yeah. could instant review or instant replay and then they were able to, <laughs> uh, you know able to actually um but it's like i i can bang on a drum yeah all kinds of crazy stuff but i i you know again you know obviously <laughs> we're talking about teenagers that that i'm watching on a regular <laughs> basis and 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 it's like i was i was assistant coach last year and we're sitting there and we're you know you, you know guys throwing a curveball on the on these counts every time and you know you convey that to the kids you're like okay one two he's coming with the curveball mm-hmm. so you don't even need the sign at that point you're like you go hey here comes a curveball these kids can't even process that obvious scenario and make any kind of adjustment you know and and i know these guys are the the best in the world and all that but but so I, that's that's why that that's why that fascinates me to that degree of wow yeah and i think the pressure to win is so high obviously um i i don't i mean if they want to strip him the world series i don't i think they should but they shouldn't give it to the dodgers because the dodgers didn't win because we don't know the impact of everything part of the game but they're the this morning i was watching espn and they were talking about the uh, unwritten rules that people will be coming at the asher's batters which i'm just like i mean these guys throw harder than ever and just the fact of the matter is one slip up and you know hit someone in the head or something like that i you know i still believe in unwritten rules right i there's unwritten rules in everything there's unwritten rules in podcasting right which means you have your phone on silent little things like little nuances or whatever but I, I just the fact that the matter is you know because you know out they're going to come after Altuve more than anybody you know because the whole the t- why didn't you take your jersey off now it's like yeah. I didn't have an unf- I had an unfinished tattoo the other thing he said was his wife was mad because he took his jersey off last time so you're not helping your case either every time you lie so and and that's where we go back to the kids and the kids see this like. And that kind of started with a steroid ep- epidemic with a lot of kids, and in, in, especially with baseball. Steroids were pretty big in baseball because of of that, and then that's where we have to make sure what's the what they are watching compared to, like, well, they're cheating, and you're just like, well, you shouldn't do it, but like, well, they they get paid, and you just that's where it's hard when you have kids and you're trying to teach them, like, you don't know what to say. Oh yeah, it it it, it becomes a. It becomes difficult of the balancing act of uh, being able to explain to them is like, look, you get more out of knowing you do it the right way 
long term. You know, you have to look at it all as the long term play. It's like I try and explain, you know, to Peyton now that okay, I know you you've got dreams and aspirations of you're going to be Division One player, go go play pro ball, whatever. I said, but the thing of the thing of it is that you have to realize is. They give degrees at Division Two. They give degrees at Division Three. <laughs> NAIA schools give you give you a college degree. So, you know, everything you do matters if you're going to put yourself in that arena. But you also have to understand that if that ultimate goal doesn't come through, you can still knock open a ton of doors as long as you do things the right way. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's like, it may be a small school, but you know what, if you enjoy playing the game and that's what you want to do and you want to go on and, and work in a, in a sports related field, then if you can go to the division two school and they're going to help you pay for your school, they're going to let you play a game you like. And that can open doors for you to get into the professional arena in a way you'd never thought of. And and on the other side is if you like the game so much, if you can put that on a resume and you can end up coaching any number of places because then you'll have that amount of credibility of, hey, I played college ball. So – when did you start coaching? Oh, goodness. I would have to say it was probably – Peyton would have been six, six, five. Did you get into coaching the, co- the coacher kids? Well, so I, – I was conflicted by this because I always uh, – my stepdad was my coach in baseball and basketball, and I loved it. Um, but then again, I felt like at one – and I let them because I didn't let two things here. What when they played base, when they played basketball, I you know they had another person coach, and then she wasn't able to coach all the time, and so she asked me to help, and that was the first time I coached, and I had a blast, but I could still see myself being way too hard on the two boys, like myself, and then and I, and I couldn't pull back a little bit because the expectations, but then again, I was conflicted because it was one of the funnest times I've ever had, and. Um, like when we had him in flag football, I had AP coach <laughs> because um, I just drew up the plays. He went out there and, and 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 did it because it was still hard because I felt like I wasn't giving everything to all the other kids, even though I was, but I it, I couldn't get it out of my head, even though I was doing great across the board because I got asked many times to come back and be a coach, but I just felt like I was so hard, but I and I felt like I wasn't giving the other kids the attention I I deserved, even though AP is like, yeah, you're doing a great job. Well, so for me, I was the guy who was like, I'm not going to coach my kids' teams. I'm just not going to do it. And and some of that goes came from uh, my short, short stint as sports writer. I knew parents were getting out of control in the 90s. Yeah. Um, so I was like, you know, I know. I don't want to be in – I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. Well, and then you start – you sign them up for teams and – you know, you're the one taking him to practice every time. You're the one at the game every time. And so uh, 
you know, whoever is the coach starts talking to you, you know, then all of a sudden, hey, I can't make it on this Saturday. Can can you fill in for me? That's what happened yeah. with me with basketball. And then, and then whoever's like most of the stuff he got in at that age was YMCA, just little, you know, five, six week leagues. And so then you fill in one time, then the next time they're signing up, the person who runs the league goes, hey, will you coach this team? We don't have anybody coach this team yet. Do you think there's and a shortage of coaches? There, definitely. Is there? Definitely. And, I mean, you see it and hear it all the time. And, you know, and it's unfortunate because a lot of it is, there, there's, there's two aspects to it. Number one, there's, there's, there's people that are just, just afraid of time commitment. I've already got a, you know, I'm going to be working job. I, you know, I may travel for my job, you know, this, that, and the other. I'm not, I don't have, I don't think I have the time. And then there's the people that are just can't deal with the parents, which I totally get anymore. I mean, I, especially if you've done it once or twice, and and had to deal with some of the parent stuff it it can be overwhelming at times oh absolutely i mean it, it so i mean i get it but also having done it the number of times that i've done it it you know it's one of those things where it's like my philosophy has always been look i'm gonna be as upfront as i can be i remember i coached uh first time i coached was the head coach of one of his baseball teams I told the parents the first parent meeting, I said, look, I said, I was terrible at baseball growing up, but I'm the one who's, who agreed to be here. So if you think you, you can do better, you're probably right, but I'm the one that stepped up to do it. So, you know, just keep that in mind as we go, go through this season of I'm going to make, make a lot of mistakes and you may know better. But when we had, when we all had to sign our kid up, I was the one who was like, okay, I'll do it. Yep. You know, and, and I, uh, I'll be honest, I was completely lucky. I, I knew a lot of those people already. They knew me already. Um, that was part of why we put that team to drafted that team the way we did. Uh, cause I, I, w- I showed up for the draft night of the, of the team, and I, I turned to my assistant coach. I said, so are we drafting kids or are we drafting parents? That's right. You know, and, and he was like, I'm okay if we draft parents. Oh, I remember we were doing flag football, and um, um, we, had our, we had our first meeting, and I said, if you act a fool, your kid won't play. If your kid, if you don't show up on time, your kid's not going to play. And, um, and I just laid it. I was like, you won't. I was like, you, you won't do it. And then after that, the parents, we got along really great. It's because I didn't care if we won or lost because there were certain coaches that were having illegal practices for flag football and had the, had the plays on the iPad. And I know who it is, and I haven't liked him to this day. I know is Luke tackled him in flag football and chased him down. And I was just like, that's great. But I was like, how are these guys so good? Just because they were having extra practices on their own. It's like it's flag football at um, – the church um on main street the real big church the gathering place okay yeah and um and it was just it was just i couldn't believe they were having extra practices so i'll i'll 
I'll share a lot more stories from Lexington because none of those people are, are you know, nobody's going to be offended by any of that stuff. But because uh, it was all YMCA and, you know, no, nobody's from then is going to be be here in this, but probably. But uh, so, and it was also some of the most fun coaching I I ever did. I mean, these guys were, you know, five, six, seven, eight years old, you know, and it was just a lot of, a lot of helter skelter kind of, kind of craziness. We, I remember we had one kid on, on one of Peyton's basketball teams. He was, had to be ADD, you know, whatever. And mom would show up and she's just sit, let's sit along the wall every practice. She'd just open up a book and be reading and We'd be practicing, and kid's name was Wesley. He would disappear. <laughs> I mean, he would just be. We're we're sitting here running every, whatever drill. And all of a sudden, I'd look up and I'd go, "Where's Wesley? <laughs> Wesley, where's Wesley?" And all of a sudden, I'd look over at mom, and she'd just kind of look up from her book, and she'd go and shrug her shoulders like, "I don't know." <laughs> and so then we're 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 all running around looking for Wesley, you know, and. God love the kid. I mean, he was he was fun, but it was it was that kind of thing. And I remember I probably coached him two or three times. Like mom kept requesting that he be on our team, and and she finally like by the time I was you know moving back here, she she wrote me the nicest note, gave me a card. She's you know she was very appreciative of of how we dealt with all that you know, but those. Those were just some great times, you know, coaching coaching little kids, and I mean, loved. Uh, we we ended up one, a couple times with a a set of Asian twins on the basketball team, Alex and Bill, <laughs> and oh my gosh, these kids, they were hilarious, but mom was mom was tight fisted. Uh-oh. If they did, if if they weren't doing what they were supposed to be doing, she was all over them and I don't know what language she was speaking, but man, you know, she was she was on top of it. So I never really had to do anything. Man, she was she was on them like crazy, but it was it was hilarious because, you know, you're sitting there and I mean and they didn't have an accent at all. Like Alex and Bill didn't. Really? You know, so it was just like me or you talking, and uh, obviously not de- not as deep a voice, but um, you know they're they just come out to you and talk, and they were tenacious. And I, but I remember there was one time we were playing, we we were actually doing doing well, and uh, and I told him I was like, okay, quit stealing the ball. We've you've proved your point. No more press, no <laughs> yeah. more stealing. Yeah. I mean, and it was it was like, look, let them get some shots up because this is getting out of hand. And I don't even think they kept scoring that league, but it was one of those kind of days where you're just like, guys, they're not having any fun. <laughs> let them have some fun. And, and I told one of them, I was like, okay, no more steals. Kid crosses half court. One of those two twins comes row over right in front, rips the ball away from the kid, stops and looks up at me like, "Oops," and I'm like, <laughs> I'm "Like, well, you already got it now." Uh, but 
you know, it's just stuff like that. You know, I mean, you probably know though from coaching. You know, you know, my kid was one of those that was so hard on himself that you know my biggest struggle in coaching my own kid was always getting upset at him for being upset. Well, Colin, who um, he he's a good athlete. I mean, he has a good chance to start corner as a sophomore for greenwood which was pretty cool because i didn't think he would make it out of eighth grade before i killed him um he just went down a path of like he kind of got kind of arrogant his eighth grade year i didn't let him play tackle football until seventh and eighth grade i've had six concussions that i know of once got knocked out by a softball it's a whole other story it was during warm-ups for our trap one of our travel teams (laughs) I'm walking to get get my – I always hit first because I, I pitch. So, like, I'll hit first and I'll throw batting practice. So, someone threw an air ball hit me back then. <laughs> Saw that flash and I was like, uh-oh. But I, I wanted to keep him protected because I didn't want him in AP. Um, he's had, like, seven or eight concussions. So, and we used to laugh and joke about it, but I, I take it very seriously now. So, but when Colin started playing and um, – he didn't start playing until eighth grade. Luke played in seventh. It never played again because one of the coach's sons told him, like, I play that position, you're never going to get to play. And being a 7th or 8th grader, Luke's never played a lot of organized, serious sports. He thought he was serious. He's like, well, we're friends. I don't want to hurt our friendship, so I'm not going to play. Now, saying that Luke would have got that position, that's not what I'm saying. Right. They hear hear one of your friends say that, and, and so Luke still might play next year. I never pushed him into playing. Because I want him to have the joy of playing. Colin has the joy of playing. Like Colin will watch, he'll watch good people on on social media play and things like that. So, and, and one thing that happened that I want to say good about Greenwood High School was he met older kids. They took him in, got his head on straight, and the coaches did a great job with getting his head on straight. So, but it was weird though, coaching them. And, um, because I felt like I wasn't enjoying them playing. It was like, no, I expect you to do that. So great play, move on, great play, move on. Instead of being like, wow, that was pretty cool. And that's where I struggle with it. Cause I always wanted, I felt like I spent more time with, they weren't getting enough attention from me. Cause I'm like, you're supposed to do this. So don't expect that from me. So, but I was always trying to work with the kids that weren't really good and try to get the boys to make them better. Um, and I think that's where I struggled at because <clears throat> my wife said I missed my calling as a coach and like a counselor. She said, that's what you should have done. And I said, yeah. And I, and I said, yeah, that, that's something I've, I would always wanted to do. But kids now are so different. No, I'm sorry. Kids are not different. Kids are exactly the same. They have things that distract them. I play, I'm 39. I played video games. I played some violent video games, but I'm a, I'm a functioning adult, right? Um, I won't listen to hip hop. I watch R rated movie. I did everything a kid could do growing up. Right. But what's changed is the parents have changed and the coaches have changed because <clears throat> it's not as bad as the high school level yet. You might be able to help me, but on when you get to the college level and above, like the coaching is just, it's ridiculous because the guy who just sent out a tweet for Colorado football said committed. And then he went straight to Michigan state. So we expect players to be loyal, expect people to stay like that. And then people complain like about the high school basketball players. If you look on there, there's a bunch of academies, right? 
because they go there for the best chance or whatever. So I kind of feel like the coaches are so great coaches, but but I still feel like a lot of them are not player driven. High school, maybe, you know, growing, I don't know. I saw a lot of high school or middle school coaches and I saw a lot of rec league coaches that have no business being around kids because they're self-centered and they want, they follow their kid up every year. I respect some of that, but not if you're actually a part of the school, you shouldn't be moving up with your kid, right? You should show that you can take other kids and make them as good as just as your kid. I don't know if I'm off base on that well, or not. I, I think there's a, there's a, a couple things is, is to some degree. Yes. You know, I agree with what you're saying. However, this kind of gets back to the shortage of coaches, you know, issue of, you know, somebody has got to do this stuff. And if they're the only ones, they're the ones. Well, I was, and I was talking about people moot going from sixth grade to being on the sidelines at a high school game. Right. And then, but not, and there is a shortage. Cause I was like, where do we get some of these middle school coaches from? Well, and be, because of that shortage, you end up with, uh, coaches who just need anybody who who's willing to help yep and and so you know that's where you do get into you know and and it's such a tricky game in terms of being a parent and being a coach yeah it 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 really is and you know you want you want the best uh available well sometimes best available is just the one willing and and so it's like, and I know all kinds of guys, you know, from my involvement over at the Little League that are out there for the right reasons, doing everything they can to help every kid and doing all those things and and have have the best interest at heart. And it's and it's really tough, you know, like I said, to be that be a parent coach because you sit there and it goes one of two ways. Either you're way too hard on your own kid, or um, you you know how you know how much time you've put in with your kid, and so automatically, whether you mean to or not, you have a different trust level. Yep. And so, you know, from the outside, it looks like, oh well, he's given his kid all the opportunity, and it's like. No, I I have the most reason to know what to expect out of my kid right now because I know we've talked about this. I know we've done this or you know what? He, he may just he may just be the best option right now just because I know how he's going to react in this situation. Um I think a lot of it has to go back to there was so you had your head basketball coach and then you had your assistants you had your jv you had your freshman then you had your eighth and seventh everything was dictated from the head coach philosophies all the way down and some of that doesn't seem to be the same a little bit because i because that that's one thing that i noticed was was that because a lot of teachers were coaches and some still are but not some of them are actually not and and so i think that's where i think a lot of it has to do with when i look at a coach i put a lot of trust in the coach i play for and and seeing that stability like okay cool high school coaches here at you know at our camps and stuff so we're building a relationship we're building 
oh, this is what we're trying to work for. And I, and I feel like at times, um, outside things interfere with that. Like with parents, like, no, I know, but th- this is, I was, <laughs> I was sitting at a uh, mini JV or freshman JV games this year or whatever on Saturdays. Um, and just listen to the parents be like, I told, so I'm like, <laughs> just listen to him coach from this day. that's where me that's where if you always saw me i always had headphones in just because like, i don't want to hear it. i never said a word i want to watch my son i want to watch him win or whatever and i would take video of my son i was very selfish about it and a lot of the football players hang out at the house which which is cool but i i just can't stand parents well you know it's it's tough because you know having been on a little league board having uh you know been been a coach having uh been a sports writer for a time you know i i've seen a lot of different perspectives you know and i've 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 also been on the on the outside of the fence you know in terms of you know i've been just dad at some of these things and and so it you know i think what a lot of people fail to grasp in the you know when they're just parent sitting in the stand, sitting alongside, whatever is, is that voices carry. Mm-hmm. You know, they just, they think they're there. I'm sitting here next to whoever my next closest friend in this scenario is, and I'm just saying what's on my mind to that person. Again, having been in that sh- those shoes of being a board member. And just kind of walking by and hearing what some people say about various situations, you're just you you just shake your head like, boy, if if you knew who who all was hearing that, there's no way you say that. So, um, I was friends with Kyle Hendricks. If you know Kyle, love Kyle. Um, we we played softball together. That's how we met. Kyle and I coached together this past spring. He was yeah. Gavin was on the same team with me. I, I always made Kyle was the, the worst lead off man ever in softball. I, I I think he listens to some of these. So Kyle, but Kyle has a passion for kids in a way that that I highly enjoy. Like his passion is great. So I was sitting. Uh, I always go. I always sit with him at the JV games, freshman games, whatever. I still have my headphones in. My son did something either wrong or did whatever, and no one knows who I am. And you know this for a fact. Not only people know who I am, I, I I just keep to myself and um made comments or whatever. And I was just sitting there just laughing, and um and then and uh and then Kyle heard Kyle knew that I heard it, and I didn't I didn't, I didn't care. This guy, the guy's opinion didn't mean a whole lot to me. It really doesn't. And then um. And I was like, "Hey, don't I know you?" And, he, and I was, just, he, or he said to me, "Don't I know you?" I was like, uh, "I don't know." I was like, "I don't think I've ever met you before." And I was like, "My, my name is B.J. Robbins." And I was like, "I'm Colin Robbins' father." And he's like, "Oh, oh, kid's doing well this year." And I was like, "Really?" Then say it to me. Just say it. My son, my son is two years into football, and he's a cornerback, and he's still learning, and I don't expect him to. You know, so that's where it was funny, and then the other guys heard heard kind of who I was or whatever, and they were just like, "Oh, like oh, we've never met you before," and I'm like, 
Yeah, I'm, I'm not. I'm not joining. It's almost like you're joining a political party when you sit in certain parts of the stands. I think that's what drives me insane. It's either you're pro this or you're con this, and I think it takes away. And that's why I wear headphones a lot and I, I'll listen to music. But I'm able just to watch the game and enjoy my son play. Well, and and so I mean, <clears throat> part of how you know we get to this yeah. point where we're sitting here talking is, you know. You ran into me at high school football game, and I'm down along the fence, at down far, far corner. Well, corner nearest the concession stand because, well, you know, I gotta get my skittles at some point. I can't stand and, the stands. Like I like to stand up, and I don't want to be rude, so that's why I always try to. Well, but you know, I'm one of those. Whether it's whether it was because I spent four years covering high school sports and I was always under the mentality of well if you're going to let me walk on the sidelines that's where I'm going to be. Um, but so even now though I still I keep myself down there watching at field level. Number one because I like the viewpoint, but number two it keeps me away from all of that stuff. And um, you know, and that was kind of my mentality too when i was writing articles was well i don't want to be in the middle of everybody because a lot of times they'll put you at a scorer's table right behind you know the official scorer's table and then you've got fans all around you and and so i i never liked that aspect of it and so it's like i don't want to hear all the different conversations because i don't want that to shade my opinion of what's going on yeah and that's one thing that's um that's one thing that's interesting because I used to be a sports writer and I think it was at the actually the same place of Tribune, right? Mm-hmm. So they needed a part-time sports writer. I think I was not even 21 years old. So this is like two, 99, 2000. Can't remember the guy I worked with, but he gave me all the outskirts of basketball games, like way out there yeah. in the middle of nowhere. And it was one of the coolest things I ever did. It didn't basically I work for free because they don't pay for your gas. So Mitchell by, and Salem and yeah. Springs Valley. So and, by the yeah. time I'm done, I'm losing money. And I had like three articles published, and it was one of the cool. It was like one that, and I think that's kind of what got me even still like doing what I'm doing now, interviewing. But because that's where you were too, right? Yeah, yeah. So, I was there every about a year and a half, and um, I can't remember who the editor was at that time. At the, I don't even remember uh, who it was when I was there. He had well, dark hair, kind of short, stocky guy. Well, see, I came. A new editor had come on shortly before I got there. What year was you there? Okay, so I've been in about 2002, 2003. That's right after I left, yeah. yeah. I mean, I wasn't there that long because um, I was, like I said, sitting in the stands because you kept the stats at that point. Yep. You kept everything at that point. And then, um, yeah, me and Steph weren't married yet. So it was probably 99, 2000 because um, I was working a full-time job and then doing that on the side because I was like, wow, that's pretty cool. Yeah. And then um, the editor kept changing every every title I ever did, and just kept getting annoying. So, but interviewing a head coach after a high school loss was the mo- one of the most intimidating things. But um, I think I don't even know where it was. I'll have to find a newspaper clipping. But he was so cool to me. Like he knew I was nervous. He was so cool to me, and I didn't know what to ask him because they gave me no. Tra- I didn't go to school for any of this. Yeah, I just raised my hands like I'll go. And so you're in your locker and watching this coach just get defeated barely because then he had a basketball. I think it's still one of the coolest things we have, you know? So, <clears throat> and how long did you do sports writing for? 
Uh, all told, it ended up being about four years, not counting college, where I wrote for the school paper for three years. I what think. college did you go to? I went to Butler. Butler. Um, so, but uh, but obviously that's where I you know cut my teeth. I covered covered volleyball team and all all that kind of stuff uh, for both TV and and uh, the school paper. But then I got out, worked at what was called Topics Newspapers with a office in Fishers. Uh, but what they, the daily paper covered Hamilton County, so Noblesville, Carmel, uh, Hamilton Southeastern, Westfield, all those schools. And then they had weekly papers that were the topics newspapers that would cover like Washington Township. Uh, there was one in Center Grove. Um, and uh, Pike had its own and, and all that stuff. So anytime one of the, the Hamilton County schools pl- played one of the schools that had a topics paper, somebody was there covering it and so then the, those weekly papers would kind of piggyback off of the dailies um so i was there two and a half years that's where i met my wife she was a photographer and then uh when the star was purchased by gannett uh they the topics newspaper papers were a part of that purchase also so after they finagled and made all the adjustments they wanted to with the star they kind of turned and looked at that organization and went okay why are you still here (laughs) and so they were going to reduce the staff and everybody had to re-interview for jobs and all that kind of stuff well and they were going to the changeover was going to happen like the last daily paper i think was going to be april 9th heather and i were getting married on the 13th oh wow and um and I'd been offered to to stay on and do a news job, and I was like, "Well, that's not going to happen." And I was like, "That's not anywhere in the realm of what I want to do." So I'm like, "So I guess I'm going to be jobless." Uh, what leading up to? I think it was the week we were getting married. The editor for the Tribune called me up. Got my had gotten my resume from. I think it was the sports editor in Greenfield at the time because I had interviewed there and they weren't able to uh, give me that job. And and so I think they passed my resume to Seymour. Seymour called me and uh, said, hey, we got an opening, bring you down. The day I went down there to interview, they said, oh, our, I think our photographer is going to quit too. Do you know anybody? Huh. I'm like, well, <laughs> funny you should ask. Um, but when they called me to interview me, I was like, they're like, you know, when can you come in for an interview? I was like, well, I'm getting married on Saturday. I guess I could be there Monday. <laughs> and so I went, my, my honeymoon was basically Seymour. Uh, wow, that's, that's, uh, that's awesome. So I went down there, interviewed, like I said, and, and so by the end of that week, we both had jobs in Seymour and we were there for about a year and a half. Did you live down there? Yeah. Yep. Um, what'd you live at around there do you remember oh gosh i think in the year and a half we were there well i know it was, i can only think of two different apartments but we lived so you have that strip mall on 50 where it was jc penny and yeah whatever we lived in apartments behind there jackson park apartments yes exactly. i lived there at one point uh so we lived there for a while and then we found a really small place further into town because uh, the newspaper office moved from across from that jc penny to where it is now which is downtown yep and so uh we found a really small place close to there um 
and we were we were there for a few more months after that but yeah i like i said is uh i, I worked there for a little bit it was one of the funnest time i had i just knew it wasn't going to be something viable well it, and part of why i looked to get out of sports writing was i knew even then i said to myself at some point i'm going to want to go to my kids games not everybody else's kids games and i you know we didn't even have a kid at that point but i was like it's gonna happen and even if i were you know covering a college or or a pro team i would be sick to my stomach if i was missing my kids game to be it makes sense yeah you know and so so that's that's kind of how i transitioned out of that but well, did you think about print media in the back of your mind? Did you think, did you see the transition going into online? You know, that was just coming in, you know, all that kind of scenario. And I'd be lying if I said I had that kind of forethought <laughs> of, of that, oh, this is all going to go away. You know, I, I, I it, was, it was more self-centered than that in terms of why I looked to get out of it. But to your point, also some of the greatest experiences I've ever had. Um, you know, you talk about interviewing a coach after a loss and, and how difficult that could be. One of, one of the coaches, this was Seymour basketball coach when I was there. So it was, I have no idea if this guy's still coaching. I have no idea where he might be. The guy's name was Scott Miller. Yep. Um, you know, man, he was a cantankerous you know he could he could come off as just a pain to deal with you should have seen coach brett and i mean he was you know he was he could just come off that way of just being nasty and not fun to talk to well and i i I specifically remember going to cover a game in scottsburg they got up big blew the lead you know because because they're high school kids you know it's like all of a sudden the turnover started happening and they did not stop you know and he comes up in the stands and i'm inter- interviewing him afterward and he, you know and he's upset you know and he's mad and you know you know and i'm sure he's sitting there in the back of his mind going well i didn't tell him to turn it over 20 times in the fourth quarter you know it, but man, it was just it was just a not fun interview and i just remember walking out of there talking to myself going well not my fault you blew the stinking game you know kind of <laughs> you know because i'm a 20 something kid at the time and you know and i was just like man i can't believe this you know this guy talks this way to me and you know all this. and but i will also say when i left there he wrote me the nicest letter and i think it was in part you know in hindsight so he had a player on his team at the time and i'll go ahead and use the name because the kid ended up going on and doing and turning his life around and doing doing really cool stuff uh you know i didn't find out till many years later but uh was was a guy by the name of john pierce i go out to do a feature story on him the kid's six four lean athletic kid i mean looked like division one prospect all over i mean it, it was just you watched him and you're just like man this kid is an athlete you know incredible and he was just coming back off of he had torn his acl the year before and so i go out there to do an, do an interview with him 
and I'm just talking to him and he, he just kind of, you know, I'm like, Oh, so what do you, you know, what do you want to do when you grow up? And of course he's like, well, my, my dad was an NBA player. So I, I'd, I'd love to play in the NBA. And I'm like, Oh, well, who was your dad? And he's like, well, it's Xavier McDaniel. And I get back to to the office to write that article. And I'm like, nobody had told me this going in. And that seemed like a fairly significant detail. Yeah. And so I'm like, well, I'm going to call Scott. And so I called him up and I'm like, is this true? And he's like, like, well, I didn't know he was going to tell you that. And, and, you know, he didn't, didn't go into a whole lot of detail about the relationship, but he's like, it's, it, he's like, it's true. So if he told you that, then go with it, you know, said, but, oh, so I was like, okay, all right, fine. Well, kid got himself into trouble later on down the road and was absent at a game. And, you know, obviously a kid like that isn't, isn't at the, at the game on Friday night. Everybody wants to know why. Oh, absolutely. And, uh, and so, and of course, a legendary guy down there, I'm sure, you know, Bud Shippy. Yep. Uh, you know, I'm sitting next to him and this, this game was at Madison. Okay. And so, so I'm sitting right next to him and and his other radio guy. Uh, and I loved those guys, um, and they they tell me why he's not there, and I'm like, okay. So, but rather than just take that and run with it, I I went to Scott after the game and I said, okay, I know why John's not here. I don't want to print it because this is all just kind of gossip at this point. I said, so what can you tell me that I can put in a paper? And that's what I'll put. And, and we're done here. And he said, all I can tell you is he's, it's a violation of team rules. He's suspended indefinitely. Ooh. And I'm like, okay, that's what I'm going to put. I'm not going to, I'm not going to try and bury anybody with anything, but that's what I'm going to put. And turns out it was kind of a, Stupid, stupid prank that was a criminal act, you know, and, uh, and so everybody in town knew what he did, but there was no police report because they were like, just kind of sweeping it under the rug. Yeah. I've been there for that. Yeah. We got arrested with 300 of us. Um, and so a lot of that got swept under, not yeah. underneath the rug. Yeah. yeah, and and I, so, so you could never print what actually happened, and that's why I'm kind of dancing around it here. Is it's it's just not worth, yeah, really, bringing up. But, but anyway, I think I think those two situations with dealing with that coach, that's why Scott ended up writing me this letter, was because. He knew at that point, based on those two situations, that I was out there for the you know I I wasn't going to do anything to hurt the kids. You were out there. You weren't out there to make a name for yourself. Exactly. I was at, at the cost of somebody else. Yeah, I wasn't trying to make something a story. Trying, you weren't trying to TMZ him. I was going to play by the rules, 
of what a journalist should do and understand that these are 15, 16, 17, 18 year old kids. And, you know, and so, but, you know, and I would also say, man, some of, some of the best coaches you could ever deal with were the swimming coaches in Hamilton County. I, I mean, those guys, you talk about people that dedicate to kids, man, there's some guys up there that were just fantastic, you know, now, and there were some that got into trouble and, you know, and you just, you shake your head and wish stuff like that never happened, but it's, it's, oh yeah, you know, I mean, it, it, it it's crazy, but, you know, so, I mean, you always, you always see stuff like that and you, you always, it, it brings you back to center of there, there's so many sides, you know, yeah. it's like, especially you talk about a guy like Kyle and, you know, I, I already said, I love Kyle to death and, and, and we're good friends now. When I first started coaching against him over at the little league and he was public enemy number one, you know, there, there was just a lot of, you know, a lot of people had a hard time, but, and, and he would admit to that, you know, but it's like I said, I've been around him long enough to know, like you said, where his heart really is, you know, and as like I said, we coached together this past spring. Great dude. He did a lot for Colin and because he knew, he knew, uh, he knew I was his father. He knew I would not get involved. He knew I would not like ever come to him and say anything. And so he treated Colin like he was his own and he was hard on Colin because he knew that's what Colin needed was like to someone to say, you have talent, you need to use it. And then, but also get Colin just didn't have confidence in himself and he helped. And that's what Kyle helped him, helped him did. And then, and that's the problem is it's just because someone is not, doesn't, all right, how can I? No, I don't dance around anything, actually. Uh, just because you're not part of the clique or part of the group at times, you get labeled when you shouldn't get labeled. And that's how I feel because, like I said, is when it comes to caring, like he's, you know, I know he oh, cares. Yeah. And I think that's what scares away some coaches is because, like, there's – we're about to wrap up here, but there's still a lot of political in sports, even oh, sure. at the smallest level. We know it. It'll never go away. I think it killed a lot of youth sports. Um, I think some of the sports enrollment's actually down compared to where it once was. Kids playing in certain organized sports. Um, and a lot of it's because of the, like you said, the parents and, and parents not wanting to put themselves out there and be like, Hey, I'm not about to get yelled at by a bunch of parents. So, it, well, it, and official, official numbers. Yeah. That's the other thing. Cratering. I mean, you cannot find people that'll, go through the effort to you know be an accredited official so that they can get the abuse that they get now i just i just do what i did when i was a little league umpire just toss everybody and i would, I would talk to both coaches about okay just let you know if these parents are acting up i'm not going to toss them i'm going to toss you and then and i'll just keep tossing until everybody's gone and then i never really had too many issues with it but um because i don't know there's so many bad stories you see. There's a shooting at a high school football game last year. And then there was, I saw a fight the other day during a basketball game. 
And then there was that wrestling match that happened last year where people started, the parents started fighting. And these kids were like seven, eight-year-old kids. Yeah. There's not even money on the line. I'm not saying that it, it I don't know. It's just ridiculous. Well, it, uh, I mean, it, anymore, it's scary. I mean, it, it's it's just scary what happens at, at some of these things now. No, it is. And just, then you have the, secondarily, it's not even the ones fighting. It's the ones that, rather than do anything, just pull out their phone and film it. Yep. It's the social media, social media culture. It's the I gotcha culture. I mean, it's it's different than seeing something funny and you tape it. I get it, but I mean, if you see some five parents beating up another parent, you might be like, hey, maybe this is not a good idea just to sit here and, and not get involved. So, um, but like I said, is we're at that time. So, but we do have one last thing to talk about. Um, here shortly, you'll be doing your own show in May. Have you got That's your the plan? And it's still yet. He has a title, but as you know, in podcasting, still got to run it through to make sure no one else has a title. Um, but a quick synopsis of what you're looking to do. Well, it, you know, it's it's basically talk about uh, big life events and how they kind of change our lives and redirect us, and and what different people have gone through and how they got got through it. And, um, you know, hopefully, hopefully a lot of these stories be inspirational to some folks, you know, maybe gone through similar stuff. Uh, you know, you know, we've got some people lined up that are willing to talk about, you know, everything from, uh, going through being a parent of a child with cancer, being, uh, you know, my sister plans on sharing her story of, uh, you know, having a premature birth going through that uh not her being premature but having a daughter uh born at 25 weeks two pounds um wow i was 10 pounds nine and a half ounces i was 10 too yeah my mom still hates me yeah so i mean it's (laughs) i was 23 and a half inches long too (laughs) see there it is (laughs) yeah but you know and i and got you know, I've talked to somebody about coming on about uh, their weight loss journey. Mm-hmm. Uh, somebody who's lost a, you know, went through a very public job loss, uh, things like that, you know. And and uh, you know, I hope to also you know be able to sprinkle in some lighter, lighthearted uh, stories as well. Maybe just just some you know fun conversations, even like this, uh, with some people. Uh, but you know trying to reach people trying to um you know let people know they're not alone and and get some good stories out there uh you know like i said you know hopefully give give some inspiration to some people yep and and see some see see some positive results and uh you know it's, it's just something that would been on my heart to do and try and do uh and and i'm looking forward to it it will be and also it will be produced out of this studio um and that's one thing that i like work and and people always ask me like certain questions financially or whatever regarding the podcast or whatever and i don't look at it that way and and i i had a comedian in here not too long ago and he he asked me what i did why i did and i was like i just do it for the art of it like i don't if money comes along with it great if we're able to build it that's great and that's what we're working towards but i don't ever want to take away from the pure in the art of it. Um, my sh- the other show, Smugcast, we did very well. We started doing everything very well. 
And, but now that we have these, when I work with the other people, it's able to, you get in the art of it and then you be able to have a conversation. Like right now there's not a lot of bells and whistles. It's just a normal conversation that people that, you know, 40, 43, that like, even when you get to this age, you still have these things, life of big life events, um, that happen, you know? And like, um, I dealt with one with my pops passing away and switching jobs and taking a pay cut and, you know, going from this point to that point and, and not be able and not be able to play sports like I'd be able to use to because you know I had a lot of those things so I'm looking forward to it um but yeah I mean I, th- I think we all have something I have a lot my <laughs> wife tells me a lot but yeah. and, and it and, and the hardest thing to do is put two men in a room and be able to talk about um their emotions because a lot of times is you're you're that rock your kids look to you. Your wife looks to you. And I'm not saying you're. This is, I'm not saying women are weak. My wife's way stronger than I am. She has way better will than I I do. But they do look at you at times, and and, and at times you for if you, you put aside what you're going through to make sure everybody else is okay. And that's that's it's something that I have to work on where I can't fix everybody. So well, and I think I, I think what'll be good too <clears throat> is is that thematically, you know, I, I'm sure I just from some of the people that I already know that I've talked to, you know, I know, you know, people's faith journey will be, be hit on a lot. You know, we'll have a lot of conversation. I'm, I know youth sports will come up again. Yep. Uh, I even have some people I want you to talk to uh, roller, the principal Jenkins County. I think you two in a room with him being a high school principal and his sports background. I think that conversation would just be phenomenal. Yeah. And, and I just think, you know, like I said, I think it'll be good. Like I said, especially, you know, some of the faith stuff, I think will hit home with a lot of people. And, and, you know, I think, you know, I went through recently, you know, job loss, my wife's been through it, you know? And so that was kind of one of those things where, you know, I wanted to be able to share what we went through and what, uh, and, you know, how we dealt with that kind of an event. Yeah, and I think it's going to be great. So, um, looking for the first episode maybe in May. That's the target right the target now. Target is May, and then when it gets closer, you know, we'll help uh, promote it, get the dates out, and everything like that. So, I appreciate you coming on. Absolutely um, enjoyed it. Um, time flies when you've been doing that. See, that was that was over an hour, just like that. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. So, um, if I stop like thirty minutes, it means it's not going well. I'm kidding. <laughs> Uh, but as always, stay, uh, stay tuned after this uh, for the social media. As always, I hope your Monday goes great. Um, if you need anything from us, just uh, feel free to drop us an email, anything like that. Uh, we'll talk to you next week. If you'd like to get in contact with the show, the email is the BJ Robbins Project at gmail.com. Facebook is BJ Robbins. Twitter is at the BJ Robbins. Instagram is BJ underscore Robbins. And Snapchat is the BJ Robbins. If you'd like to be a guest on the show, please reach out to one of those platforms so we can make that happen. Thank you.